Welcome to the Skies Were Under podcast, hosted by me, Rachel Wright. This podcast is created by and for parents of people with disabilities and the many practitioners who support us. It's just for all of us who are trying to get from one end of the week to the other whilst bridging the gap between the life we expected and the one we're actually living. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm a qualified nurse, an unqualified parent of three, and the founder of Born at the Right Time. My life went totally off script 16 years ago when I became the parent of someone with severe brain damage, which resulted in him having a whole host of complex medical needs. Already in the first couple of episodes of the Skies Wonder podcast, we have introduced ourselves, myself, Sarah Clayton and Lucy Parr. This podcast is by and for parents and professionals who support people with complex needs. Sarah is the CEO of Simple Stuff Works and her eldest daughter suffered a brain tumour age six. And as a consequence of treatment and complications, she's now a beautiful young woman with learning disabilities and some complex medical needs. Lucy is partway through a PhD in educational psychology. Her third of four children has a chromosome duplication, which means he isn't verbal, he's got autism, high sensory needs and very complex epilepsy. On today's episode, we follow on from a ch- our children's diagnosis, which we talk about in episode two. And then we think about things which have been useful or not so much useful in recent years. Lucy might just share some of her seriously weird coping mechanisms. So obviously Sarah and I will uh, take the mick out of that as we dive into our children's diagnosis and discover some more epic parenting fails, no doubt. Let's get started. And before we get started on episode three, this is a trigger warning to let you know that very early on we talk about childhood death, childhood cancer and complex disabilities. Welcome, Lucy and Sarah. Hello. Hello. It's lovely to be here as ever. Synchronised helloing there. I know. It's like like you've practised it. Um. So episode three, hopefully, I was going to say hopefully our technology is improving, but I'm not sure that's the case yet. (laughs) We are working on it. Last week we talked about our children's diagnosis um, and uh, our, our, uh, what's the word? Our joy of Toys R Us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, your love of Sarah's love of Toys R Us, love slash obsession with (gasps) Toys R Us. Just let me go to Toys R Us. If you haven't listened to episode two, you need to do that now before we go any further. But in this episode, I just wanted to think about a little bit more. Again, this podcast is for the parents and I know we want to look after our kids and it to be a little bit about them. But I want to really think about how our kids diagnoses diagnoses impacted us and the way we embraced parenthood or just the way we kind of tackled life and the stuff we found useful and not particularly useful (laughs) 
So to kick off, um, what were the things that you kind of, when you started off on this other journey or started off into the kind of complex medical side of things, um, what stuff did you like obsess about or worry about or, you know, what kind of changed in you as a parent? Was there anything that kind of... Um, that's a really interesting question I reckon Sarah's probably got a bit more input on that because Brecken's stuff wasn't really that sort of medical until a bit further down the line so I can think of some other stuff but yeah Sarah what do you reckon I think um I thought she was gonna say I think Sarah's gonna be good at this because she's so much more obsessive (laughs) (laughs) so much more unhinged I mean you know (laughs) Toys R Us that's one example I think I think Sarah's a much worse much worse person than me Sarah's going to be far less likely to cope (laughs) with life (laughs) no just to clarify that's not what I meant (laughs) I know I know so um, stuff I I have like um, lists of things that I obsessed about to be honest Um, the main one and it's still occasionally kind of I get like a flashback to it um, was night time absolutely I hated night time mm. because everybody went to sleep and I just could not sleep I couldn't um couldn't switch off and I couldn't find kind of things to keep me busy so that was tricky and the other thing and it sounds so even saying it out loud feels like kind of um feels a bit I obsessed about her funeral I absolutely obsessed about her funeral, about um, where it would be and what her coffin would be like Mm -hmm. and the music and the music that and that's what kind of gives me the old flashbacks because I'll hear one of her Mm -hmm. funeral tracks, one of her coming into the church, one of her, Mm -hmm. you know, get so and so to sing this or, you know, this is her leaving, you know, all of those things. And I, I couldn't not think about it. It, it was just, um, but I also didn't, obviously, didn't say that out loud to anybody. <laughs> so we, I, I we have you? talked about fine. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. In Tesco's. How are you? Fine. What have you been doing? Oh, oh I've been, I've been planning my daughter's funeral. Which one? The one that's just here. She's just here. <laughs> She's here with me. She's she's okay at the moment, but you know she's. Uh, and then we're popping the toys at us. <laughs> oh God! But honestly, I... just don't talk to anybody about it, because then no, you were so... then you were being defeatist. I yeah, thought. there's this. There's this. Yeah, that's a that's a tricky one, isn't it? I um, totally have also planned mm. my son's funeral, mm-hmm. um, where who um, and. We're actually in the process of... So we, he's always had an end-of-life plan. Yeah. Um, but that's always been through the hospice and he's been discharged from the hospice. Do not ask. No. And then that's made me think, okay, we need to get a formal document. You know, I was surprised that actually his he hasn't got a formal document. So yeah. we need to get that sorted. So there's a respect document that um, I'll put a link to in the course notes because we've gone deep straight off, haven't we? Flipping heck. And they the the important thing about that stuff and being out loud about the death stuff is that those people who I know and I know 
I've been to far too many funerals mm. of children, um, more than adults, and I've been mm-hmm. to quite a few adults, that actually the really hard conversations about end of life have been the most important ones. So we have had discussions. I had a conversation around our dining room table with palliative care team and what would happen if our son died. For us, it would have been um, he's most at risk of um, a major epileptic seizure through the night yeah. and stuff. And having that conversation about what would happen and where are cutoffs as far as um treatment like active treatment and and at what point we're like this this is this is too far this is more than is right for him or whatever um and he's had a dna cpr most of his life um and that is absolutely nothing to do with us in any way giving up on him but um when somebody gets the point of needing cpr they have died yeah and their heart has stopped their breathing has stopped um, he's, his breathing has stopped lots of times before. That's different. That's a respiratory arrest. Um, and that has been associated with seizures. But for him, uh, if it got to the point where his heart also stopped, um, I know that un- the likely the likelihood of that being changed is next mm-hmm. to zero. And I want a positive death for him. Yeah. And for us. And therefore, that's always been part and parcel of our discussions. But you shouldn't have to be having talks. You shouldn't be having to discuss this and think about this. And there is, there is a, there is a two o'clock in the morning going round your head thinking of songs thing. And there is having the capacity, the strength, the structure. Mm. Yeah. Of having the two and the cock in the afternoon conversations <clears throat> yeah. about the same thing. And that's a, there's a big jump, isn't there? Oh, Between yeah. the two o'clock at night head and the yeah. two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And half head. of the two o'clock in the morning, by the next, mo- by the next day, mm. I couldn't remember half of it. You know, I was mm. so sleep deprived and, and all that sort of stuff that, you know, kind of you end up in a loop going round and round and round and round something. And then the next day, if you were asked what it, you know, what it was, you, I probably couldn't sort of articulate it that, that well. But when there's no other, no distraction, no other noise, no other mm. anything, and all you've got is that, you know, kind of, right, what if. Um, we had a little bit of a dry run, really, of <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> I know. Well, like, she nearly died <laughs> or, like... Well, yeah. Basically, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so we. Oh, you so, did. You, you, yeah, okay. we did. Tell us and, that and it was then. honestly, oh. there's going to be so many flipping trigger warnings at the start. I know. <laughs> I know. Like, I have a deep dive into what helped us. Yeah. That's coming but, soon, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. <laughs> you see, Lucy, this is what happens if you let me go first. <laughs> so you end up with a bloody sob story <laughs> last time. Sub stories. Right, if you've finished your sub story, I want to tell you something else. So, yeah, no, we, um, so a long, a, a long story short was um, that she had a fall, bumped her head. That then triggered all sorts of things happening um, over a four-day period. She didn't regain consciousness and we ended up in, 
Oxford. It was the night of the riots. It was, it was a post-diagnosis, though. This is after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is, is after, two. This is yeah, two years. this is later. Yeah. Later. So that the so yeah for context, yes. you've had the diagnosis, you've had the treatment, yep. then some this stuff this is kicking off. Yeah. Yeah. This is we've done a year of being off treatment and kind of getting back life, getting back to normal. We just got back from Florida. We'd gone off to give kids the world, which is just the most incredible place. We'd had a brilliant time. And then, and then we were like dunked straight back into it. You, know, you kind of get yourself back on, back on your feet, and, and off you go. But she, um, so we ended up in Oxford because we couldn't get into Birmingham, um, because it was the night of the riots, and the little darlings were rioting outside Steelhouse Lane in Birmingham. The little sweethearts, um, and they couldn't get ambulances in. Um, so we ended up having to go to Oxford, um, to the paediatric intensive care unit there. And spoke to, there was a guy there and he said, um, the next, we'd been in there about 24 hours and he said, um, Birmingham want you back. Like everything's, you know, like kind of, they've cleared, the, they've cleared the mess away outside, they can get ambulances in. Birmingham want you back, they've got room and they want you back there. Do you want to go? And I do, so I'm such a wimp. So I, every single conversation with a medic, I go, what would you do? What would you do? <laughs> it's <laughs> not being a wimp. It's like... Oh, all that—that's what I want. I hate Whenever, being yeah. I am, I'm, you know, yeah. is a medic, but I would. We want them to make the yeah. decisions. Whenever like, there's a decision, you've got to. You've got. Yeah. I I've lived with regret of choices that we've made, and I want to be thinking they made that decision. Yeah. That is a very just, conscious. Yeah, and I just want to know that you know, kind of, um, people are thinking along the lines of, if this were my baby, mm-hmm. what would I want? You know, mm-hmm. so I said, what would you do? Uh, and he said, and he said, uh, if this doesn't turn out the way that we hope, then it might be good to be closer to home. No alarm bells rang. We're we're aware now, aren't we, that no alarm bells ever ring for me. I just go, okay, all right then. Oh, that's an oh. interesting thing. I'll make sure we're nice and close to okay. home. What because the teas? Because what could possibly? Birmingham? Yeah. What she's could being... possibly be? wrong here exactly she's been ventilated uh, you know all that stuff but what could go wrong and then we got back and um she, honestly just i i am the world's either the world's most naive or the most optimistic person on the planet i, I think, think that's i think that's a good combo when you have a kid like you know with challenges that's yeah. a that's a good combo well you know, yeah. it gets you through yeah well this is it so we ended up um we came back and then um, we had been back for a few hours and then we ended up in one of those rumour doom scenarios again and the, she'd had scans and stuff done in, in Oxford. Those had shown that her tumour had returned, it had coated her brain, that she was unlikely to wake up. And we did the whole thing. We did the next 48 hours preparing. We asked where where she want, we wanted her to be. We'd said hospital because I didn't want her to be at home and then to have to live with that, I couldn't face kind of walking into a room and knowing what had happened in that room and she was she was unconscious so it wasn't that Mm, yeah yeah um and then um we had one night my family I have a huge family and everybody came from all corners of the country um and they were all put up at the children's hospital there was an empty bay and they were all it was like there's just bodies in this room all sleeping and everybody said goodbye to her and everything was you know, kind of, she she didn't have any monitors on her or anything. And then the next day, she um, got a little bit stronger and she just carried on getting a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger. Um, and it turned out that it was a, <clears throat> it was a misdiagnosis. So six weeks later, in the meantime, 
my partner asked me to marry him and I was like I want to be there if that's possible so like it was like a five week get you know kind of full planned did the wedding did everything got married so she was there everything was great about six days later a conversation with a consultant and he was like I'm really sorry you know we 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 got it wrong and it was it was a stroke and the and the the bleed happened as the scan was being taken so it picked up the dye looked as if there was tumor everywhere but it was it was would have been blood everywhere you know um okay uh and my husband was like you will do anything anything to get me down that aisle you know and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but we did that we did that so that was like our dry run of um yeah having to have those conversations and even then I didn't want to have those conversations no I would yeah no okay so we obsess about our kids dying that's lovely mm-hmm. yeah um uh we could take it down a notch (laughs) (laughs) so there were i think um i definitely got to a point where the routine the just the routine the ordinary routines of the day and life became very very um important to me and they still are and i talk about it in the training that i do how when there is so much about your life you cannot control Mm. when you have no um influence on whether your child next has a seizure or when that is or fevers or flipping covid or any you know anything then a certain side of my kitchen needs to be clear (laughs) because as soon as there's bunches of magazines and crap craft it gets sent home yeah. from school pasta <laughs> necklaces everyone pasta necklaces <laughs> fucking pasta oh, necklaces oh. i'm like i can't i can't cope with that stuff i just clear the surfaces um and uh i wonder whether that's like a there's a sensory overload to just carrying so much oh, all the time and then any other additional sensory shit that you just do not need in your life like pasta necklaces and uh egg shirt egg carton paintedness yeah and that i think i think but but people would be like oh just relax it's like it'll be there tomorrow i'm like yeah it'll friggin' be there tomorrow until i do it which is why i've got to get it done actually i didn't find it helpful being like i'll just sit and have a cup of tea and ignore the mess um and i would love to have been and would love to be a bit more chill it's not like i'm I'm not like super obsessive clean person um but i is so so when i am stressed or when i'm uh fighting fight or flight type thing Mm -hmm. in me Mm -hmm. because of of feeling like things are beyond our control then um syringes being done a certain way meds being put in the pots a certain way uh people doing what they say they're gonna do like all all the ordinary stuff that can be seen as um making a bit of a fuss or being a bit anal you know Mm, all those it becomes really important um, and I, that, I think that comes out of just needing to create order and and feel like it's it's doable. Yeah. Because do you get 
Do you get the thing where nobody could do it as well as you do it? Oh, that's no, that's truth. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually <laughs> fact. That's actually. <laughs> and, and, and then, hey, and no, then, no, you can't. And that's not just that, right? Because if they do it differently, yeah, they're doing it wrong. Yes. It's not, obviously. It's Even not, though there's the same outcome. No, 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 no. It's still wrong. It's still wrong. Um, and I can prove it because I didn't do it. <laughs> so it's really interesting listening to you guys talking about you know needing order in the chaos and like grasping for some kind of control. I think I'm a bit the opposite. Like I. Oh, abs- she's always yeah. Sorry. I'm just gonna put a, put a spanner in the works. I'm a little bit. I start obsessing about like what my life looks like in a completely different situation. So I'll be like, oh, I'm going to book a gig and think about the gig that is happening in three months' time that I don't okay. have to think about now. It, it, like, I, I feel like totally overwhelmed when things get hard yeah. and I can't... I obsess about not being in the moment because <laughs> I because okay. I don't want to deal with it yeah, yeah. um and it and it just is too much mm-hmm. and um I yeah I remember when my mum died I would just I would just couldn't deal with and I have no warning to the overwhelm like it just and I need to I've been working on trying to work out here is the the warning sign alarm bells like you were talking about no alarm bells there's no alarm bells there's no warning signs for me about when it's getting too difficult and too hard it's just suddenly there and I'm just it's just too much and too big and too crazy and I just need to not be there yeah um and yeah and when my mum died that would look like going down to the beach and drinking random bottles of Oromorph that kind of stuff which is not a that is not a good that is not a good coping strategy I am very aware and I have not done that for a while so that's good but yeah it I I don't I don't know if there's the same like need for or I I feel like it's too big to make order of Born at the Right Time is an organisation focused on bridging the gap between families of people with complex needs and the many practitioners who support us. Through CPD certified training, workshops, advocacy and campaigning, Born at the Right Time team are passionate about seeing a cultural change in the policies that surround us, improving the service at delivery and bringing about a better lived experience for people caring for those with complex disabilities. So go to www.bornattherighttime.com for more information on CPD certified courses, parent workshops, or buy one of my books, The Skies Are Under or Shattered. Visit bornattherighttime.com to help bridge the gap between families of children with complex needs and those people who support us. So um, I've worked really hard on uh, I've, uh, kind of a little bit of a stalker, obsessive type person about Brené mm-hmm. Brown and lots of her work around emotions and things. Brené, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. give us a follow, give us a like. <laughs> In your dreams. <laughs> um, but the whole, I, so much of, of her research and stuff around emotions and emotional literacy, I used to try and very much manage my emotions 
Uh, no, I still do. <laughs> I used to think, though, that managing your emotions... And we still use that language, don't we? So how do you manage? It's like you can't manage emotions. Emotions are, and you feel them, and you let them pass through you, but you can't, like, contain them. But I definitely had this for the first few years of... And I think you reflected in it, actually, Sarah, when you talked about, um, in the past, you've talked about, you know, your two o'clock in the morning feelings mm. and how you hide them and then you bring out your best self yeah, yeah. in front of everybody. Um, and, you know, and we do that, don't we? Like, we'll put on display our pride and our joy and our love and we'll let everyone see all that sort of stuff and we'll post about it on Facebook and then our frustration and our sadness and our loss and our anger and all those things, well, we'll squeeze them down and drop <laughs> into the back of the cupboard. So <laughs> that it down. We... Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I realised that the swallowing it down was very, very tiring. Very tiring. And, um, and just the... I think one of the biggest things that... Was, wasn't a magic wand doesn't make it all better but probably plants me in my skin a bit more is um embracing the fact that completely contradictory emotions happen at the same time mm. and uh, acknowledging that and um, and holding that and being prepared to hold that lightly as much as i can so i can you know see my son reach awkwardly for a switch and hit it and say something you know yes with a recorded thing and be utterly proud and thrilled that he's done something very deliberate and he's trying to communicate and in exactly the same thing ah his hand is so twisted and that is so far from what i hoped or dreamed or whatever and and it's not that it's two different things happening like no it's not on the one hand i'm really proud of this thing and on the other hand i'm finding the other thing sad there's this exactly the same the single action is is spewing out of me to very different emotions and um recognizing that that completely feels like that tightrope you know we've talked about loads of different that's another tightrope of kind of holding yeah um both versions of emotions um being really tricky and i think one of the things that's helped me in the last decade and a half is um and i'm still not good at it but trying to totally recognize that it's not either or it's and 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 it's and 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 yeah. <laughs> and there's just layers and layers and layers of it and we we don't need to um, but maybe <laughs> Lucy, you and emotions. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on my emotional literacy, um, and I'm getting better at it slowly. But <laughs> but what you said about holding different emotions to the same thing that happens, um, I have an experience of that this week. It reminded me of something that happened with Brex, and he so he has been in cast in a hip spiker for. 12 weeks at this point and on Thursday the hip spiker was removed 
And obviously everyone goes, da, 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 da. the hip yeah. spiker is removed. It's all happy and all happy joy and isn't it fantastic and blah, blah, blah. And then he had his first physio session. And honestly, it, I was so proud that he was trying, but I was ugly crying, heart-wrenched at the fact that my child, who is normally ridiculously busy to the point of being a nightmare liability, is now in a situation through no fault of his own whereby he is having to struggle to even take one step. And I was not prepared for that, Mm. like, overwhelm of, oh, my God, like it's just awful <laughs> like, um, yeah. and and it was really positive because the cast was off and all the rest of it um, and then oh, after that whole like oh my god this is fucking awful my child is like struggling so hard and it, it's just not him it's just not who he is it's just everything is wrong with this picture I then felt bad because mm. my my value judgment on that and it's inbuilt, it's inbuilt, and I think it's inbuilt more in us women, is to to kind of have value judgments on our emotions mm-hmm. in that, you know, this is a, a bad emotion and this is a good emotion. Yeah. You should be, there's lots of, you know, you should be positive. You should be happy that he's out of mm-hmm. cast. You should be cheering him on and being like being the solid rock of like yay isn't this great and like pulling it all through and and so then I felt bad that like my response to it was and and everyone else's response as well was yay 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 and I was like no you're not getting it and actually it was amazing because one of the carers that um that has looked after Brex before I sent I sent her a video of that physio session and I just sent her the video I didn't comment on it and she came back and just mirrored exactly my feeling on it. So, and that was so helpful because she yeah, knows Brecken. Yeah, she yeah. knew it, it was so validating. It was like, okay, she was like, how can that be so happy and so awful all at the same time? Mm. And I was like, yeah, exactly that. That's such an interesting yeah. point there, Lucy, that the, the research and stuff says exactly the same as regards to um, actually the thing that, causes more emotional trauma is our percep emotional reaction to our emotions it's not actually yeah yeah. it's not the fact that you felt happy and sad that's wrecked you it's the fact you feel guilty yeah about feeling sad that's the bit that was and as soon as we can work away some of and maybe that's what I was talking about as far as learning to hold them actually that it wasn't the fact that I'm the weight of them it's the fact that I don't then layer on more More. and more emotions that I'm supposed to be um you know that I I I tag on I'm not tagging on any more emotions this is this is hard or this is good or this is and this is hopeful and this is devastating and this is and I'm not gonna um and the guilt you know the guilt is a is is like breathing for me so so really trying to let go of um not tagging the emotional reaction to whether I do or don't feel something because whether I do or don't feel something is the case end of it is and then I need to walk away from um just let myself off literally let myself off the hook yeah yeah of saying i'm not adding any more emotions to whether i should or could and i think some of the language and some of the really helpful language that people can do for us at that point is to to validate 
those emotions is I've talked about it before it's like staring into the eyes of someone else's grief about not feeling like you need to turn away not feeling like you need to excuse or doubt there's there's plenty of time another time to give different perspective and to help them in other ways but when somebody is saying this is how I feel mm -hmm. stare it down and yeah. say I see it I see it and and um be curious about it rather than um minimize or explain or try and understand it or that bullshit toxic positivity thing of mm -hmm. like you know when you get people who say who are very well meaning and lovely and just you know I had a I had another experience this week where I was I bumped into a friend um and and I was talking about you know she was saying how are things and I said well yeah really quite hard actually um I don't I don't bullshit people now I just tell them how it is I'm not one for you know uh, if people <laughs> time did you ever <laughs> when in your life have okay you ever it's like it's like it's I've like, turned over a new leaf I'm a totally different person now my goodness that is the biggest bullshit I've ever heard <laughs> Okay, so I never bullshit. Let's let's start that sentence again. I never really bullshit people. If people ask me how I am, I tend You're to tell them how it is because yeah. otherwise, why did they ask? Frankly, um, and Very anyway, stupid fault for asking. So quite often of late, it it's not a good. It's not you know a socially acceptable response, is it? To say, oh yeah, everything everything's to, gone to tits. Yeah, everything is cool. Yeah, and so I said, oh, it's all a bit shit, and, and explained, you know, I wasn't sure. And, and at the time, I'd just come from that awful situation at the hospital with the physio, and I, I just thought, you know what, I'm just worried that Brax isn't going to walk again, honestly. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if that's going to yeah. be a thing again. It's all just going around my head. And anyway, she got, like, that word vomit of me just coming from the hospital, and she kind of, she kind of turned to me, and she was like, he will walk again, don't worry. And I was like, in that moment, and I know she's she's like being really lovely and trying to be really positive, but it was so unhelpful in the moment. I just wanted to throat punch her. Um. <laughs> I think I so I I totally I didn't just to just to clarify, I did, I did, I did not. I did I didn't. So, <laughs> um, I so you know, I was winning just, on that respect, but people just want to make it better. They do. They do just. But, want it. It's uncomfortable it is, for them otherwise. You don't. I don't often say you know don't do this or do do this but don't give people hope that you're unable to give yeah no literally nobody can say yes he'll walk because like we don't know what's going to come around no. the corner like it could you know we just don't know so it is not you know she could say oh i'm going to really hope that he he does yeah you know i can you know or whatever but but or everything crossed or you know yeah 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 you just have no authority to say that. And also, it, it's just unhelpful because I, I'm trying to deal with the fact that actually... It, I, and I think we we are faced with a harsher reality of... I, I, in fact, I was talking about this last night with Stu. We, we don't get, often, the luxury of hope. Like, mm -hmm. that is a night... Like, I feel like, at the moment, and this is where I'm at the moment, and this isn't necessarily a blanket statement, but how I feel at the moment is we don't have the luxury of hope in that hoping that um reckon will be all right and all the rest of it that that's almost like too painful to think about in case it doesn't happen yeah so um, i i've changed my idea of what hope is and there's actually research and stuff around this there's some research by a guy called 
um, Jim Reader and Morris, um, I can't remember who the, um, but Reader and Morris did a research that came out last year that talked about uncertainty and, and how parents, um, how you can kind of support parents in that level of uncertainty and trying to give them statistics and stuff doesn't help. <laughs> like trying to give them, you know, sort of what doesn't and what does make a difference is hope in a in a connection kind of way and Brené Brown again talks about it from a instead of being like a cognitive an, an aspiration like a oh let's hope fingers crossed kind of thing that it's a cognitive behavior in three parts where it's a goal pathway and agency so I've got this thing that like you don't know that whether or not Brecon will um walk again but you can have hope in the team of people around you doing their best and you can say we're going to do that by getting a decent physio plan yeah yeah together do you know what I mean and then that's going to manifest by everybody and the team knowing what that plan is and suddenly there is hope within that context um because yeah totally hope hope can't be this it can't be this external circumstantial thing anymore because it might it might all go horribly horribly wrong it might do we all know it might go horribly wrong so then the hope has to land in i've got this far um and even if it goes horrifically awful then um the people who are around will be the people who are around and we'll all do the very best that we can Mm. within that situation and I don't, and that, and that can feel very kind of. You said it before, so a really defeatist type thing. Um, and I think in in face circumstances, that's even worse, isn't it? Like, you know, let, you've got to be positive because as soon as you say the negative things, then that's just opened mm. the floodgates. So I get. So I guess instead of my like statement about you know, I, I'm reflecting on what you've just said about my statement on we don't have the luxury of hope. Actually, hope is a different thing. Like we've mm. had to reframe hope as as, yeah. a, as a different thing. What you're saying about Rach about mm. the um, co- a cognitive behaviour in where we've got agency and we've got like a, a way forward. Um, I think that yeah, that makes much more sense and is much more able to be applied than you know. Let's just hope for the best out there in the universe. You know. But that depends, and you you know when you talk about resilience, Luce, and you talk about um, systems that will hold like that 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 hope is entirely dependent isn't it on the system yeah and if the system is falling down or creaking then that that ability to make something concrete and work towards it is is dramatically um altered okay so have there been uh any useful practices or people that have in the last um sort of decade or so that have kind of helped us navigate you know the stuff we've talked about whether it's the unhelpful brain patterns the emotions <laughs> the um the uncertainty um that have occurred that occurred right at the very beginning with our kids diagnosis which is where we started but actually has ensued in the last sort of decade or more for for all of us what have what have been the things um people or practices that have kind of help us 
keep a level of equilibrium? Or is that just <laughs> pie in the sky and no chance whatsoever? Well, I can share my very weird things that people are now going to judge I me for being very weird. You, I don't, you I, don't, I, do I don't, luckily, <laughs> I don't give many shits about what people think of me. So I'm happy <laughs> to share <laughs> about my weird practices of coping strategies and mechanisms. Is, I mean, I had to, to said um, that this is explicit because the amount of times you swear in this podcast. <laughs> but is it gonna? Are we gonna ramp? No, up no, it's not. It's not that explicit. weird. We're not going no, kinky okay. fetish weird. Okay. Not quite. Because my dad's listening. <laughs> All right. Just my dad is listening. <laughs> no, I. So sometimes, so my whole like coping strategy for dealing with the overwhelm which I of which I have no warning signs um, is I quite often will just go to a gig by myself or go to a festival by myself or go to the pub by myself um, and I do this I do this more when I'm abroad because um, I'm less likely to ever meet the person that I'm chatting to ever again I'm so, nervous. So, <laughs> so especially when I'm abroad and I just go into a place and I just sit and I start chatting. If I feel like chatting with people, I just start chatting with people and I just try on different lives. So I, <laughs> so, so, you know, I just think, I just imagine, you know, that point at, in sliding doors where she gets on the train or doesn't get on the train. Mm-hmm. I just think what, what could life have been like if I didn't have, the responsibilities I currently have, right? So sometimes I'm a writer who travels the world looking for inspiration. Other times I am a neurologist who's like at a conference down the road. Um, you name it, I'll just, you know, try on a different life. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> and it's quite like, fun. It's like some weird pickup thing. Like, <laughs> it's not a weird pickup thing. I'm married, obviously not a weird pickup thing. But... <laughs> I just like, and then I'm just a different person for like three hours, and oh I quite goodness. enjoy. I quite enjoy that. Well, not a different person, just a different version of maybe so it's what I am at the moment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, Which I know it's really weird. Um, I guarantee. And it's it's a bit like. Hang on, it's a bit like no. when you um when you were saying you present. It's it's a, a more extreme version of the <laughs> presenting presenting your a certain way of yourself to the world, right? I just take it a little bit further and like we'll try on some different like ways I potentially and... could have been. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Never going to see him again. It's like, and today, Matthew, I'm going to be. Yeah, I think oh, I. It's like that thing that's going round where all the famous people, are like you know, my name's. I don't know whoever I am, Reese Witherspoons, but people call me and then all their characters. It's like ah. Lucy going, my name is Lucy, but some people call me a novelist, uh, yeah. a neurologist. Exactly. Uh, you see, guaranteed, surfing. Guaranteed, first time I did it, I'd be in Sainsbury's Tesco. I'd be, it'd be, I'd be like, morning. Oh! Me that no, happened. it's <laughs> never happened. No, never <sighs> happened. No, it's, that has never happened to me. Where, I've, oh like goodness. I said, it, being abroad is is a is a it's little a good, you know, it's yeah, a good yeah. it's yeah, a good yeah, yeah, tip. Yeah. So I kind of really hoped this podcast would be useful for people, <laughs> um, but I'm like, so far we've got 
when everybody else does things they're doing it wrong um feel what you're feeling <laughs> and pretend to be someone else <laughs> No, 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 not someone else. No, no, no. Just a different, a different version, <laughs> a different of, version of, of how. Yourself. Exactly. So go on, Sarah, who would you be? <laughs> you might oh, you do this Ellie-lex. to me. You asked me once. LAX Airport. You asked me once about who my. Um, do you remember when we were on a training thing together and you asked me once who like my fantasy friend would be because yours is Brene Brown and I couldn't think of a single person on the planet who would want to be my friend. <laughs> Oh, more, Sarah! No, we all want more, to be your friend. The more that you kind of all I looked know who at yours me, is. Ted. Ted, as in the Ted talks, or as in my boy? No, none of them. As oh, in Ted Lasso. Lasso. Ted Lasso. Oh God! Absolutely. You and Ted would get on so oh, well. I would just follow him around, <laughs> big starey eyes at him. Oh, he's just yeah. So you could be, if you were going to pretend to be someone, you could pretend to be like Ted Lasso's life coach. Yes. <laughs> I'd be the, um, who would I be? I would be the, uh, you know, the psychologist they bring in. Yeah. Who's like, yeah. She was, <clears throat> she yeah. was brilliant. I'd be really difficult to read. I'm not difficult <laughs> to read at all. <laughs> I am like, you know, people say she's got a heart on her sleeve. I've got everything on my sleeve. I got the lot. <laughs> I've got everything. <laughs> Every internal organ <laughs> is on my sleeve. Like, <laughs> who would you be, right? Um, I'd be an actress. Oh, I'd love to be an actress. I'd really like. And you could put on an accent and everything. Um, oh, not one of your, not one of your offensive ones. <laughs> I only do yeah. offensive <laughs> ones. I only do offensive accents. I have a uh, doubt, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, no, no, I'm on the podcast. Um, ooh, no, can't find her. She's, she's gone. Um, do any of you have slightly uh, less out there coping strategies, which might be more useful for people listening I than have mine? <laughs> Sarah's two. I have two. Right. Go on, then. So the first one links back to the kind of swallow it down idea. Uh, and that was that every time that I um, sensed myself having any sort of emotion, then I'd get like a mantra thing in my head. So for me, it was like they will cure her was was my thing. So every time that it got really bad, like I would be feeling a thing, whatever it was, mm-hmm. I would repeat that like over and over and over and over and over until the feeling had passed. And that was like, <laughs> which I look back now and it's like, That's so <laughs> very helpful. Like the worst coping strategy okay. ever. I have so, shared it with other people and said, "You want to try this? <laughs> you want to try? <laughs> you want to try? Don't talk about sticking it. Sticking your face in the you want to try just ground, just uh, ignoring it and just uh, wait until it passes. Mm. That's one option. Um, could you just breathe instead of repeating the opposite? Of no, because I had to make the... what you want. Repeating what you want to be the case. I do. I, it like just had to be. A... Do you know it could have been anything? It could have been a. It could have been the. Um, it could have been the theme tune to the Archers. Christ knows. Do you know, like anything that was okay. loud enough? Okay. Not to be. Okay. The the the, the Archers. <laughs> which is which? So Lucy's like, Listen. I'm going to go to a gig or a festival. <laughs> and I'm going to pretend I'm a neurologist in America. And Sarah's like, I'm 
going to Sainsbury's. I'm going to play the archers over and over in my head. But do you know what? I know it sounds ridiculous, but there there is a common theme there that we are both trying to not yeah. think Feel. about the thing. Yeah, we're, we're both yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, not yeah. think about the thing that is yeah. the thing. Yeah which is so overwhelming and so hard and so difficult yeah. that we can, and I do that in maybe a more extreme way than you. I do in an, an but... extremely middle-class way. <laughs> <laughs> you go around saying he's listening to the archers, but that's really interesting because it's okay. the same thing that we are here's, doing. Yeah, here's it what I do thing. that's not quite the same thing, but from, from the same motivation, and that is that I um, watch chick flick films so i will watch something that's emotional about somebody else and i'll have a good old sob and i'll have Mm. um so i and i do it like properly prescriptively like i need to watch something tonight i need to watch something that is um either good news for someone else where they get to snog at the end and the sunset or a little bit of bad you've got to pitch it right i have watched like fought in their stars and oh, no. just been in an absolute yeah. puddle. I was yeah. a wreck. The night yeah, carer yeah. turned up and I was literally on the sofa going. This poor woman being like, hi, um, I'm just going to sit in the other room. <laughs> like a vent it's based, honestly like a little vent where I get to express my emotions and there is there is research out there I'll try and link it in the the, the podcast stuff um around when you're the, to, to complete the stress cycle when your body if your body is in stress it physically it's like it doesn't know that it's I don't know, because of a conflict with a practitioner or because of a really terrible diagnosis or some really sad emotional relating to your child. It doesn't know that. If it's physically, it's yeah. running through the wood being chased by a bear, you know, and it and it's physiologically doing that that reaction. And you in your body needs the same um uh soothing the same reaction to that stress cycle as if you've been running through the wood by being chased by a bear and so um one of the things is is crying like crying is like a is is a relief sorry loose that's not any good for you because you don't bother doing that um but is a release but there's like seven different things and it's this stress cycle um book talks about and some of it's like craft and some of it like to create something to make something other um connection like um touch holding something like a hug apparently it's a 20 second hug or a six second kiss i've tried to say my husband he needs to do a six second kiss every time he comes home from work (laughs) he is less keen (laughs) and actually the kids would be fuming as well can you imagine hold on a second boys (laughs) six seconds um but on, and there's moving your body and there's um lots of other things yeah but it's there's it's like telling your yeah those grounding yeah. things and laughing <clears throat> actually you know laughing because it's like it's like you shut the door and you kind of like that relief like oh phew we're here we're safe it's okay so um but funnily enough the stress cycle does not get complete by drowning it out by other noises <laughs> 
but sometimes you just have to get through to the next yes sometimes it's just like i reckon that there must be some short term like when you're properly in it and you're yeah. in hospital and yeah. the, everything is like full on yeah i think there's a difference isn't there between those totally. short term things which is just Right, you know, I I was obsessed with rules, so I had rules upon that, like same as you, Rachel, in terms yep. of control stuff. I had rules by the front door that anybody that came in had to wash their hands, take their shoes off, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of everybody, you know, there was no all that sort of stuff. There was no weeping by the bedside. There was, you know, if you're going to, not only my emotions, everybody else's emotions were to be taken away. <laughs> <laughs> But not like just because I didn't want her to be frightened by people who previously seemed quite cheerful suddenly appearing and being. Do you think? Do you think there's a time at which that's less helpful? I I I think that, and then I worry that our children understand what they can be feeling by us modelling what is okay to feeling. So there's a limit. There's an extent to which she needs to know it's all right to be scared and sad. Yeah. And that's what I mean is when do you, when do you, because those, because often people are plunked into this stuff in quite a, often quite a dramatic way. Yes, yes. So then how do you make the transition then? So I'm like nearly 15 years into this and still making the transition from those strategies that I learned early on that worked. So why not use them again? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But how do you make a transition to something else? And how do you, how do you do that? When, um, I mean, all of us know that that really it would be very helpful for there to be some some sort of systemic support for families who go through these really traumatic mm. events. And it isn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it, you just, you go off and you get on with it and you have become one of these families. There isn't like that. There, there aren't, there's not a therapy. There's not, you know, like you can find it yourself. But there isn't something that picks people up. So how do you make a transition to something that's healthier? You know, um, when there are so many strategies that have served you so well to yeah, get through yeah. to this point, that, that yeah, are the short-term right. strategies, and you don't recognise it. So I'm going to tell you, we're going to come to the end of this episode, actually. But there are the one thing I want to di- direct people to, and I think I mentioned it in the previous episodes, and that is Day by Day by jo- Joanna Griffin, um, who's a parent of, of a child with additional needs, but also um, someone clever who knows about well-being and stuff and has done a mm-hmm. PhD on it. And she runs Affinity Hub. So Affinity Hub is f- exactly for well-being for parent carers. And it has a whole list of practitioners who um who offer counselling and stuff, but also lots of her researchers on there and lots of stuff about how you can help yourself um uh within the context and it's not that toxic positivity stuff, it's um embedded in the reality of our lives. So I would recommend that you head over to that. Maybe one day we'll get Joe on the podcast and she can share some of her insights um as well. But yeah, but let's just just to to, to summarise, don't do what any of us do (laughs) (laughs) as a means of promoting your well-being because it is not recommended. Thank you for listening to the Skies Ronda podcast. Special thanks to Lucy and Sarah for our conversation and Harry and Rebecca for the backup support. We'd love to hear from you as well. Please email 
and be part of the conversation at TSWUpodcast at gmail.com. It'd be brilliant if you could share this podcast with your friends, family and the practitioners who support you. Then rate, review and subscribe. That sort of stuff actually means we can keep on doing this thing. The three of us will be back again next week. Whatever skies, we're under. Bye. Bye.